I'm Claire. And I'm Liz. And this is The Balancing Act, a podcast where we talk about law, life, and everything in between. Welcome back. So this is episode 46 of the podcast, where we're going to be talking about court backlog and other thanks COVID instances that Liz and I have experienced due to COVID and changes that that has brought to the practice of law. So Claire... Um, when we had been kind of discussing this, you told me that probate court has had some delays. Can you remind me what probate is exactly? Absolutely. So probate is the court process that people go through after somebody has died. And we need to transfer assets that were in their name into other people's names. So that could be a spouse, that could be kids, that could be nieces or nephews or whomever they've kind of listed. And probate in Minnesota, not scary, sometimes the best option, can still happen even with estate planning. Sometimes it's part of the estate plan that probate is going to happen. So it's not like a bad default thing. Got it. So it's not like, oh man, this has to go to probate. Someone must have screwed up. Right. And absolutely, it can happen a lot of times, you know, completely uncontested. So it's not like people are fighting about anything. It's just that we need to go through a legal process for the court to sign off on on transferring property, how the person wanted property or assets to be transferred. Got it. So how has COVID impacted that? So in Hennepin County, which is the most populous county in Minnesota. When COVID initially happened back in March of 2020, kind of everything got shut down and placed on hold for a couple of months. And then as things kind of opened back up and some of the court is virtual, some of the court isn't virtual, and it's kind of gone back and forth, a backlog was created. And certainly there have been more deaths in Minnesota because of of COVID, but that hasn't necessarily been the rush. There was a backlog and things have just never quite caught up. So even 18 months out, what used to take a week or two to get an initial appointment with the registrar for informal probate is now taking about six weeks. Wow. So that backlog hasn't really eased, but I just saw that they're hiring new individuals. And so I think the court is trying to help with that backlog and help ease the burden of the the court officials, which will make everyone happy. That makes sense. Because I was wondering when you were talking about that, I was like, well, how do they fix it? Because they can't really, well, I suppose I can't imagine them like running these offices like 24 hours a day, right? That would be not ideal. Right. I mean, they're still, they're still working within the court hours of eight to 4.30. Mm -hmm. And it does take 
skill and knowledge to be able to process probate requests and application. So they do need to find or hire people who know what they're doing. But the other thing that I would say is in all of the probates that have started since COVID started, I have not had a single person who has died because of COVID. So all okay. the people who have come who have said, you know, my my spouse or my parent or my grandparent or, you know, fill in the blank died. And they're all quick to say, oh, this person died of, you know, cancer or a heart attack or, or whatever the case may be. But I personally have not had someone come to me with a probate because the person died of COVID. That's one of those things where it's like, I think that's good question mark. Well, you know, we were, we were talking about that in my, my household yesterday because that actor um, from sex in the city died. And one of my children was wondering after seeing it on the news, if he died of COVID. And then when it was said that he died of cancer, my daughter said, well, I think that's good, but no, that's not good. (laughs) Like they still died. Yeah, I I had that same I had that same reaction when I heard he died because I was like, oh my gosh, he's so young. But I mean, it's it's still a tragedy. But I've also noticed when COVID first started, there was kind of an initial wave of like a whole bunch of people wanting to do estate planning, and that roaring river that initially happened, I think, has kind of reduced to kind of pre-pandemic levels of, you know, people are still getting their estate planning done, but it's not, people aren't feeling that kind of initial fear that they felt a year and a half ago. That makes sense. Is that, I'm assuming that might be a little bit easier to handle than volume wise. Yeah, it's much more manageable, which is good. But how about you? Let's, let's turn to family law. How has How has vaccines and quarantine and multiple households, how has that impacted your work as a family law attorney? Well, there are definitely a few ways, right? Um, One of the things that has come up is when one parent thinks the kids who are old enough for vaccines should be vaccinated and one doesn't agree, you know, then you get into areas of legal custody and is someone going to go to court over the issue and I have not had anyone go to court over the issue personally. Other issues that came up especially at the beginning of the pandemic when no one really knew exactly how things were spread there were definitely concerns about for example one parent not wearing a mask and then being around a child who may be higher risk. And those issues definitely come up too. Or, you know, one household follows precautions, one doesn't, or one household has, you know, what happens a lot is, I don't know if the mixed families more or less where it's like, you know, mom and dad got a divorce, dad gets remarried, dad's new spouse also has been you know, divorced and 
you know, has kids. And so you have, you know, there's lots of different families coming and going. I have had clients who have had to have their children miss out on parenting time because of exposure. And then it does get into the mess of makeup parenting time for a parenting time that's been lost and the schedule gets thrown off. It's, you know, that isn't ideal. However, again, on that issue, I have not had to have a judge make a decision on any of those issues. They have been able, you know, in cases where that's happened, generally people have been able to work together, which very grateful for. Otherwise, family law is still running for me virtually. This morning had a virtual court hearing. I have not had an in-person court hearing on any of my cases at this point. I don't know when that might happen. Yeah. You know, I thought that by now I might be in person. And to be honest, I was not looking forward to see if my court pre-pandemic pants fit. <laughs> so I'll just keep putting that off. <laughs> I definitely had a couple of virtual meetings yesterday and was thrilled with the idea of having a like grown up dress up shirt on top and leggings on the bottom. Yes. Yep. That's that is what I call my court mullet. <laughs> Cause it's instead of, yeah. you know, <laughs> business in front party in the back, it's business on top party on the bottom. <laughs> also, Another thing that's nice about the Zoom court is let's pretend it's kind of early in the morning. And back in the old days, I would have had to leave a lot earlier. I also would have had to, you know, decide if I was going to do my hair and makeup. And that would also take more time. But the Zoom and we'll say the low quality camera that I use, if I put on glasses and put my hair in a ponytail, I don't think that I'm going to look like a supermodel by any means, but you really can't tell if I've put makeup on or not. And I really like that. I like the freedom to not have to do that. Absolutely. I think one of the things for me having like the virtual like Zoom or phone conference meetings and appointments has been like cutting down on the travel time. I feel like I have more yes. time in my day because I'm not like, okay, well, I have to travel and, you know, this place doesn't have great parking. So I have to add in time to find a parking spot and, you know, then walking to the building or wherever um, and then traveling back. And because of all that, I'll be distracted. So it'll take a while to get back into the swing of work. And that has been one thing that, that I like, that I feel like I can be more efficient in my day. Same with me a hundred percent. And also just like the ability to, for example, like in some of the court cases that I would have in person, you know, they were like a cattle call and like, that means it would start at nine, but it might not actually start till 10 or 11. And sometimes you'd just be sitting around the courtroom during that time. Now, if, you know, depending on the situation, especially if my client is appearing from their house or their work, I'm alone in my office, so I can kind of work on some things while I'm waiting, which is great. You know, that just was not possible before. So I enjoy that too. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, maybe courts can think like, hey, maybe we can be a little more efficient now that we have figured out how to schedule things. For sure. Also helpful is that I have like 
finally gotten better at logging into Zoom without it being a disaster. <laughs> there was a while that like, it, I felt like it was always hit or miss if it would work, but I don't know if it's Zoom or me, but it has gotten a little easier. So I'm grateful for that. Yes, I would say everyone's knowledge of video conferencing has improved. There's a lot less like yes. cameras not on people and people knowing when to mute and unmute and all that. Mostly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I was like, haha, definitely a lot of good stories to tell. <laughs> but <laughs> that is for another day. 